the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit of life. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm excited uh, about this message, and I'm excited about where God's taking us. Don't forget, you've got version notes, so you can look on version notes and take notes and so forth. All right, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to go to the first two verses of the Bible, and we're going to start there. So if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Holly, that's in the Old Testament, baby. <laughs> in fact, it's the first book of the Old Testament. Yeah. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Did you know the Holy Spirit? Many people think the Holy Spirit showed up in the book of Acts. No, the Holy Spirit was here in the very, very beginning. He is God. Amen? I can't wait to preach this to you today. I'm very excited. Say, look out. Pastor's ripping raring to go. Amen. All right, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit shows up in verse 2. He's actually in verse 1. In the beginning God, God is Elohim there, which is plural. But there he is also, very, very pronounced in verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering, was moving, was fluttering over the face of the waters. And we're going we're gonna to describe what that looks like. Colossians 1.27 says... To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. Well, it went out. Um, well, it's back. Hallelujah. I don't know what's going on. I feel schizophrenic here today. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Poke your neighbor and say, Christ in you. The hope of glory. I've got a question for you. Ready? It's not a trick question now. Where's God the Father? Where's Jesus Christ? So how can Christ be in you? There you go. Amen. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for where you're taking us today. I thank you for the revelation coming. And I just pray you anoint me to speak forth your word in spirit and truth, in power and in might. Father, I pray the mighty hand of the anointing of the Holy Spirit be with us. Let the glory of God fill this place, God. Fill our hearts with the word. Anoint me to speak forth your word in 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 spirit, in might, in power, and not just in word and tongue. Lord, I pray, Father God, that this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, God, a great awakening and revival, God, sweep throughout the United States of America, God. From our president, God, right on down through the vice president and the legislative branch and all of our Congress men and women and mayors and governors and all of our leaders throughout this land and our judges, our Supreme Court judges and our judges throughout the land in Jesus' name. Bring a great awakening, oh God. A great revival where an end time revival, God, such as our country has never seen before. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father. Today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five, two or three people.
how would I get the air out of this glass? If I was to ask that, many people would try to think of a lot of different ways. Maybe get an air pump and suck the air out. I mean, because you can't, what, how can you get the air out? Maybe, maybe take a vacuum and suck all the air out so it's vacuum sealed. Well, the simple answer would be to simply just fill it with water. Because as I fill it with water, and I'm just going to go imagine that this was totally full for an illustration later. But if I was to fill this totally with water, guess what? The air is where? Gone. You see, this Christian life is not about trying to suck out a sin here and there. And try to do my best to get all the sin I can out and all the wrong things out. And I'm going to work really hard on my New Year's resolution this year. And I'm going, to, I'm going to get it all out. No, the answer is not getting something out. The answer is getting someone in. The victory in this Christian life is not sucking out a part of your life that's wrong here and there. It is about being filled with the Holy Spirit every single day of our life. Amen. Freedom is not... About an absence of something, but the presence of someone. Somebody say amen. amen. Why is it important to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't be filled with anything else. To be filled means you're, you're full. You are to the lid. You are, you are captivated by His presence and by His Spirit. Amen. So if you want to live right, if you want to do right, if you want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, and you want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, the answer is to every day be filled with His Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Now I know we did this a minute ago, but we know God the Father's where? In heaven. Jesus is where? So who's the God on this earth? The Holy Spirit. Who leads you to repent and turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Who heals your body? Who gives you miracles? Who teaches you the word? Who gives you every all provision? Amen. Who speaks to you? The Holy Spirit. Listen, the person of the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not elevating the Holy Spirit over God the Father and Jesus. They're one God, three persons. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God the Father and Jesus on this earth. Just simply that. In fact, the Holy Spirit could actually be called Christ's other self. He is the Spirit of Christ. It amazes me when you read the Bible. I have, I, I'm telling you, I, I see people. God the Father, He's kind of scary. He's like killing people in the Old Testament. Oh, I love Jesus, though. He died for me. And the Holy Spirit, I don't know. I don't know too much. He's kind of scary. Let's put Him back in the closet. We don't want to deal with Him. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Amen? He appears in the first two verses of the Bible. In fact, He is the power in which Jesus did everything He did on earth. In fact, He is the power within us and through us, Colossians 1.27. Somebody say amen. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything in which He did on this earth, how much more do we? The Holy Spirit is mentioned 261 times in the New Testament alone. Somebody say, wow. Your spiritual growth and maturity is directly proportionate to your submission to the work of Holy Spirit in your life. The more you submit to Him, the more you grow and mature in God. Amen. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are not talking about a new age mysticism or some cosmic power or emotionalism or some psychic phenomenon. He is God. Shout it out with me. Say, He is God. He's the third member of the triune Godhead, coexistent, eternal, and equal with God the Father and the Son. He is not enthusiasm. He is not courage. He is not energy. He is a person. He may be the personification of these things, but make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit is a person. 
And I'm going to flesh this out very well for you today, I believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Eight times. The Old Testament declares that the Spirit of God came inside of men and 25 times that He came upon men. There was a total of 33 occurrences recorded in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit either coming inside of men or upon them. But glory to God when the book of Acts hit. When Jesus was resurrected and ascended on the 10th on the day of a prayer meeting, He was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was. And this is the beginning of the universal spiritual endowment when he was poured out on all flesh the word poured out I love this might be better rendered emptied out as if a cloud burst just just burst as though a, as, as though a, there were a cloud burst as if the walls of the heavenly reservoir had suddenly just opened up as though a Niagara Falls had suddenly been loosed when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was poured out, that means heaven emptied him out onto this earth. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I want some of that emptying out in my life. I want to get in the glory of God. I want our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the Niagara of the Holy Spirit to just flood our souls. Somebody shout amen. How many want the full measure of the Holy Spirit in your life every single day? He poured out His Spirit on all flesh without regard to sex, age, nationality, race, social status. It didn't matter. Handmaids, queens, kings. It didn't matter if you're a human being. He said, if you're a human being, if you belong to Jesus, if you're a God's child, you now meet the requirements and you are eligible to have the Holy Spirit of God poured out inside of you. Woo! I don't know about you, but that's some good news. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. The Bible says the Spirit of God hovered, fluttered over the earth. Your, your Bible says that the Spirit of God. The word Spirit there is a Hebrew word, ruach. Everybody say ruach. Which is the Hebrew word for Spirit. And it can be translated wind, breath, spirit, or ghost. Now, a ghost is a disembodied spirit. Now, today when we say ghost, we think of a specific thing. We think of Casper. Right? We think of Ghostbusters, right? Ooh, a ghost. And for us, because of television and all this, we, we do, ooh, it's a ghost. We get scared. But that's not what it meant in Bible, biblical days. In, in Bible days, is very different. John 19, 30, for example, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He didn't give up Casper. He didn't give up the evil ghost from Ghostbusters. It just simply means he died and he his spirit went back to God, right? His body gave up his spirit. Why is that important? The Holy Spirit is the Lord or the spirit of life. Everybody shout out the spirit of life. I want you to catch, if you'll catch the revelation of this message, you will never walk the same in this life again. So stick with me here. All right, Job 33 and 4, watch what it says. The Spirit of God has made me. Put the next scripture up if you will. The Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me what? When God formed Adam of the dust of the ground, He formed the body. But you read in your Bible in Genesis 2. Adam did not become a living being until God breathed the breath of life into him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God totally withdrew His Spirit from you, it's not that you'd be lost, it's that you'd be dead. 
Did you know that the most evil of all people have a measure of the Holy Spirit inside of them? Constantly trying to bring them to God. Even if they continue to reject and reject. You see, we don't have life without the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of life. Somebody say a good amen. The question is, is the Spirit of life loose in your life? How is the Spirit of God inside of you? Do you go to Him every day and say, have your way in my life, move freely? Or do you say, well, I want you in these areas of my life, but this one over here, no, you're gonna, uh-uh, you can't deal with this. We, we got, we, this is my area. And I'm going to show you why that's important here in just a minute. Romans 8, 2 says this. Because though Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life and has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is a law called sin and death, but there is another law through the Spirit which brings life. In other words, when you come to Jesus, you're born again. And though this body may die and perish, your spirit man will live forever for all of eternity. In other words, the spirit of life supersedes the law of sin and death. What does that mean? Let me give you another illustration of how this works. The law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. What do I mean by that? That means you go and you want to fly across the seas and go to Honduras or Israel. You get in an airplane and the law of lift says, I am bigger, I am badder, and I can defeat the law of gravity through engines and hydraulics and all kinds of moving equipment. The law of lift supersedes the law of gravity, just like the law of life supersedes the law of sin and death. That's the good news for us, folks. Amen? So watch what Romans 8, 10, and 11 says. Check this out. But if Christ is in you, everybody say in me. Again, if Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us, then who's who's Christ in you? Now remember, Christ is not, read what it says. It says Christ in you. That is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one in his anointing. The anointing is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives what? Everybody shout life. Because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give what? Life to your immortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. What does that mean? That means everywhere the Holy Spirit goes, He brings life. He cannot do anything but bring life to you. The Holy Spirit is life. He is incapable of bringing you death. That means everywhere you let the Holy Spirit into your life, He turns to life. He resurrects and brings back. That means if you're in here into the sound of my voice and your marriage is rocky or maybe it's on the verge of divorce, guess what? If you will both let the Holy Spirit in full measure touch your marriage, He'll resurrect that thing and bring it to life. That means if you've got some financial problems here today and you don't have an answer, if you will let the Holy Spirit come touch your finances, if you'll obey His word through tithes and offerings and allow Him to come in, He'll resurrect those finances. Somebody shout amen. That means if you've got some dead dreams that you used to have and you've given up on them and you've thrown the towel in and you say, well, I, maybe I was just dreaming, that's fantasy land. That ain't ever going to happen. Listen, if you'll let the Holy Spirit in there and touch those dreams, He'll cause them to come back to... If the doctor gives you a report that says it don't look good, you've got just a few weeks to live. In fact, Brother Lively, Dr. Lively, stand to your feet if you don't mind for just one second. Everybody look back at Dr. Lively. He just told me Wednesday that about 43 years ago, they said go home and get your, get your life in order because you're going to what? 
That's exactly what they told him. Well, 43 years later, he's still doing well. And he's got a wonderful marriage. And he's doing great. And the doctors aren't pronouncing death. I want to tell you something. When you let the Holy Spirit come in, he'll resurrect your dreams. He'll resurrect your hope. He'll resurrect your family. He'll resurrect your lost loved ones and bring them to him. He will resurrect your body. He'll resurrect everything in your life that you let him into. So my question is, will you let him in? Poke your neighbor and say, let him in, let him in, let him in. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, I love this. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Praise God. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. Let, let me just, this is the reason, leave this scripture up for just a moment if you will. This is the reason why abortion is so bad. Because the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit is the one that makes that baby conceive. The Holy Spirit is the one that brought life. And it is not for us to take life. And that's not to beat up on you if you've had an abortion in this house. Because in a church this size, surely there's somebody that has maybe had it, maybe contemplated, whatever. It's not to beat anybody down. But it is to say, if you get pregnant and you have and you are pregnant, or you one day will get pregnant, it is not for us to decide whether that baby lives or not. The Holy Spirit gave life. Is this okay preaching? I don't want to lose you, but I do want to preach the truth. Amen? Amen. Folks, if you're new to this church, we don't shy away from subjects that most people do. I don't care. I don't care one iota about being politically correct. I care about being biblically correct. And I care about our congregation knowing the, what the Bible and the Word of God says. My number one passion as a pastor of a church is to inform you and teach you exactly what the Word of God says so you will know how to live your life. Is that okay? That's the kind of pastor I want to be. Even if it hurts, even if it feels good, even if we want to run and shout or get in the car and put our head down and cuss me out on the way home. I want to tell you, I want an informed church because an informed biblical church is a protected church. It's a protected group of sheep. And my job is to protect the flock, and I do it with all my heart and soul. Somebody say amen. This scripture right here in the spirit of life is also why transgender is so devastating. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the one out of all the sperm swimming around. He is the one that connects the sperm that connected with the egg to create the person. And it is the Holy Spirit's choice. Hear me now. Hear me. It is the Holy Spirit's choice whether it's a boy or girl, not ours. And when that baby comes out and that baby says, well, I'm feeling like a girl today. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit chooses, not us. Good preaching, Pastor. Amen. I told you we're going to go there because I want a biblically informed congregation that understands why is transgenderism so devastating. Because the Holy Spirit said, I think I'd like to make Dallas a boy. And I think I'd like to make Holly a girl. And I think I'd like to make Ryan a boy. And the list can go on and on. Boy and girl doesn't decide. God does. Somebody say amen. Well, pastor, that's all good and well, but you know, there's a lot of things that happen. Listen, I know there's a lot of things that happen, but listen to this. James Robinson, the guy who does the wells for water for Africa, the, the, we send wells, we send it. He, he's the one, listen, Robert Morris will tell you, if you're familiar with Robert Morris Ministries, that James Robinson changed his life. 
Robert Morris is who he is today because James Robinson told him he was filled with demons and helped get the demons out and set Robert Morris going the right way. He is still his apostolic leader that attends his church. James Robinson is a wonderful man of God. Listen, do you know how he came in this world? His mother was a night nurse and a guy came in drunk and raped her. It was a long time ago. And she was a rape victim that got impregnated by a monster guy. Who took something from her he had no right to take. Yet she chose to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that conceived that baby. And she birthed him into this world. And there are infinite thousands if not millions that have been affected for the glory of God by a rape victim. A man who never met his father. Listen, I, I come to tell you something. I want us to be biblically literate. Amen. Somebody say amen. And when the Holy Spirit brings life, He brings life not just in those areas, but in us. If you have an area of your life that's dying, or you feel as dead, or you feel as hopeless, if you'll let the Holy Spirit come in, He will resurrect it like nobody else can. In fact, you, are in, you and I are in here because the Holy Spirit has touched us, and He continues to touch us. Somebody say amen. He fills our innermost being. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a monster to be feared. He is a beautiful person to be embraced. Should we let Him come fully into our lives? Galatians 6, 8 says this. Whoever sows to please their flesh, if you go to the next scripture, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit... From the Spirit will reap eternal life. The word life is zoe. It's animate life. It's real life, not just existence. Have you locked up the Spirit of life in your life, content to simply just exist in this world? John 10, 10 says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Look, God doesn't even want you to just exist on your workplace. God wants you to prosper. And bring life to your workplace. Wow. Should we let him come fully into our lives? Revelation 11, 11 through 12. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from who? God came into the two witnesses. Probably Enoch and Elijah, but there's some debate on that. And they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who were watching them. So they're laying in the street dead three and a half days, but the Holy Spirit showed up. They resurrect. Wow. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Then they went up into heaven in the cloud and their enemies watched them. You talk about how to ruin a parade 101. Listen, if you let the Holy Spirit come into your life as easy as he just, listen, just a breath. The breath of life just, and all of a sudden, three and a half days. Listen, the world is so crazy at this time in Revelation that they're giving out gifts like it's Christmas because these two men are dead. And all of a sudden, they're having a big parade. And, you know, you ever seen those shows? You know, one of those deals. All of a sudden, the spirit of life. Listen, one little breath from God. And three and a half days of dead men rise up to their feet and ascend into heaven. Let me ask you something. If God can do that with one little breath, what can he do with what you're faced with in your life? Is there anything too big for the spirit of life? Listen, the, the Holy Spirit broods. Everybody say brood. 
in Genesis 1, 1 and 2 there, it says the Spirit of God, the Ruach, moved, fluttered. There's a lot of different words. Moved, if you will. But it's really the best translation of that Hebrew word is brooded. Everybody say brooded. Now watch, what does that mean? If you say your two-year-old moved through the room, you're not sure what it is other than if he's two, he's probably terrorizing something, right? How many of you have had that before? But if you say, you say, I don't know, maybe he's moving, maybe he's tearing the light sockets, putting knives in, who knows? But if you say a mother couldn't find her two-year-old for five or ten minutes and she moved through the room, you could actually say she brooded, right? She's not casually looking through the room. She is going to tear that house upside down until she finds her two-year-old who's probably climbed a tree and he's 35 feet in the air. If he's anything like my son was. All right. Brooded, what does it mean? Brooded means to sit on and cover as a fowl on her eggs for the purpose of warming them and hatching chickens or as a hen over her chickens to warm and protect them. In other words, she is very protective over her young. She will do anything to protect them. It's kind of like mama bear, right? Don't get, they tell you, if you see some cubs, get out of there, right? Mama bear somewhere nearby. If you're from the swamp area, they teach you down in Florida. You get near gators. If you see babies, get out because mama's there and mama ain't happy with you near her babies. In the same way, a mother hen will watch over her young, watch over her eggs. She will brew, she will make sure that she does everything to protect them. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is moving and he is trying everything he can to bring life to people that have no covenant with him. He's trying everything he can to protect and watch over his children. He is brooding. He is moving feverishly throughout the United States and the world trying to pre people that are dead in Christ, are dead not in Christ, but dead in their sins and trespasses into Jesus Christ. Let me show you how this works. One of the duties of the Holy Spirit is reported. He's always reporting to the Father what's going on on the earth. He searches the earth. Looking for life, and he reports back to the Father what's going on. He's constantly searching for life. What does that mean to us? Well, you're in over the Rhine one night, and Uncle Fred's getting his, slice, his throat sliced. And his nine-year-old nephew's watching this. And the Holy Spirit comes in brooding, saying, you don't want to wind up like him. And all of a sudden, that nine-year-old boy says, I don't want to wind up like Uncle Fred. And a week later, the church evangelism team shows up and says, hey, we've got a bus ministry. Would you like to come to church? Yeah, I want to come to church. And that next week, he comes to church and he gives his life to Christ and he gets saved. Listen, you and I were part of the process, but the real deal, the Holy Spirit was doing that beforehand. It's called prevenient grace. Everybody say prevenient grace. It simply means the Holy Spirit searches the whole dead earth for life. It simply means that it doesn't matter if it's in the red light district, the wrong side of the tracks, Indian Hill, or wherever you want. The Holy Spirit is constantly searching the earth, trying to bring life. That's the good news for you and I. How many of you have lost loved ones? <laughs> Guess what? They can't outrun him. <laughs> Guess what? They can't get away from the Holy Ghost. They may can shut you out. They may can tell you, I don't want to hear your sermons. I don't want to hear your prayers. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. But when they're asleep at 3 in the morning and they wake up, the Holy Spirit's right there going, ha, I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going away. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep tugging. And the more we pray and the more we thank God, the more He moves until one day your lost loved one says, I can't take it anymore. 
Fine, I'll give my life to you, Jesus! Woo! You see, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, moved. He brooded and invited that nephew, that boy, one week earlier. We were just part of the process. He moves us to meet up with those people. And those people get saved and we say, praise God, I had a part in it. Yes, but it was the Holy Spirit was already dealing with them. That's why you pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit over your family. That's why you pray, Holy Spirit, brood and move. That's why every day you say, oh God, Ephesians 1.17. Enlighten the eyes of my lost loved ones. Understanding. Enlighten the eyes of their understanding, oh God. I bind the God of this world from blinding their eyes to the glorious gospel. And I ask you to loose the spirit of life to find them wherever they're at and whatever they're doing and draw them back to you. Now, Caitlin, I hope this don't make you mad. But when you were doing your thing, you didn't know it, but your mama and I and your grandmamas and your papa. And some of your aunts and your sister and your brother, we were praying the spirit of life get a hold of you, girl. And you ran for a little bit, but now here you are, baptizing the Holy Spirit and baptizing water. Don't tell me the spirit of life won't do it. That's not to embarrass you, Caitlin. You got nothing to be embarrassed about. We've all gone our own way. How many of you have all gotten a little hard-headed at times and gone your own way? The whole church has, amen. Look, let me just tell you something. You pray the spirit of life on them. You pray the spirit of life to open their eyes. You pray the spirit of life to remove the blinders from their eyes. Man, they can't run from the spirit of God. I'm telling you, I remember when I used to get out partying and I'd be drunker than Cooter Brown thinking I'm having a great time at four in the morning and the Holy Spirit would knock and he'd say, you going to heaven? I'm like, ah, how to kill a party 101. Ask a drunk man partying at four in the morning if he's going to heaven. I don't want to hear that. Give me another round. I'm going to drown it out. But he kept speaking louder. I'm telling you, you can't avoid it, man. When you start praying, look, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. It works on adult children. It works on adult parents. I'm praying this way for my dad who's 85. <laughs> he don't even know it. Spirit of life, get in there and move on him. I want to tell you, when you ask the Holy Spirit of life to move, he will transform someone's life. Don't give up praying. Don't give up believing. If you've got a husband who won't serve God or a wife who won't or children, you pray the Spirit of God on them and the Spirit of life will get a hold of them. Somebody say amen. Woo! How many of you got lost loved ones? Amen. Man, pray the Spirit of God on them because they can't outrun him. Amen. You know, you can know this person of the Holy Spirit. What, what distinguishes a person from a thing? You say, well, life does. Well, a plant and a tree has life. No, a person has a soul. A soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Everybody say this to me because I'm going to finish this message with this. Everybody say mind, will, and emotions. I'm going somewhere. Are you ready? I'm going somewhere. A person has thoughts, desires, and feelings. Guess what? The Holy Spirit has thoughts, desires, and feelings. Where do you think we get them from? 
That's where the battle is. Our mind, will, and emotions. Every battle you face, you fight the good fight of faith, is all in your mind, will, and emotions. So watch this. The Holy Spirit has helped us to, He's here to help us to think like God thinks, desire what God desires, and feel what God feels. Jesus was moved with compassion when He saw the sheep running astray and having no shepherd. Those things come from God. So watch this. Did you know God has a soul? Sometimes we think, what God has, does God have a soul? Sure he does. He has mind, will, and emotions. Are you ready for this? Matthew 12, 18, watch this. This is God the Father speaking here. If you'll pull up that verse for me. Matthew 12, 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved, this is God the Father speaking, in whom my soul, my mind, will, and emotions is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, upon Jesus, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Jesus also had a soul. Matthew 26, 38. Then he said to them, if you go to the next verse, my soul. Everybody say, my soul. Jesus speaking in the Garden of Gethsemane. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mind, will, emotions. Because you know the Holy Spirit has a soul. Hebrews 10, 38. Go to the next verse, if you will. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul, the Holy Spirit wrote this, has no pleasure in him. So God has, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all very clearly in the Scriptures says he has a soul. He has mind, will, and emotions. So I've saved the points for the very end of the message, and I'll just be a few minutes. Are you ready? How many want to hear about the mind, will, and emotions of God? Point number one, the Holy Spirit has a mind. Everybody say he has a mind. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Will you put that scripture up, please? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. So he has thoughts. He has a mind. Philippians 2, 5, look what it says. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say the mind of Christ. Okay. What is, here's a great question to think about. How intelligent is the Holy Spirit? The answer is it's immeasurable. The Holy Spirit does not have an IQ. IQ stands for intelligence quotient. Why? He doesn't have a quotient of anything. He is intelligence. So the Holy Spirit, you have available to you and I have available to me, a person who has, who is intelligence, who knows all things, who is willing to teach us all truth around us and willing to come live inside of us. How many would like to get to know him? Did you know that you can ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what do you think about this? What would you do about that? How many of you would like it to know that you have somebody greater than Albert Einstein and the greatest minds in the world? They had IQs. He is just simply intelligence and knows all things. That means anything you will ever face in life, the Holy Spirit already has the answer. How many would like to get to know him and have him in our life? How many would like to know where to work, what to do, and how to do it? See, the problem is we have relegated the Holy Spirit to a force and not a person. If you don't see him as a person, you can never have a personal relationship with him. He is not a power that you use. He is a person that you know. Somebody say amen. 
Point number two, the Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. Will you put that up on the overhead for me? The Holy Spirit has a will. So he has a mind, he has a will, he has a soul, mind, will, emotions. And we know God has a will. So watch Acts 16. Check out the Holy Spirit's will here. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. He said, no, that's not my will. When they came to the border of Maesia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, look, the Holy Spirit's being called the Spirit of Jesus right here, would not allow them to. He had a will, no and no. So they passed by Maesia and went down to Troas. So, well, then God's saying no here and no there. What's his will? Verse 9 through 10, he always makes it clear. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We make the will of God so hard sometimes. And listen, I can't get into details with you right now, but listen, there is no question. God has made it so clear that we are to move from here to down there in Amity Elementary. The Holy Spirit has made it so crystal clear. Listen, the Holy Spirit told Paul, no, I don't want you going that way. No, I don't want you going this way. Let me give you a dream about a guy from Macedonia saying, help me. And I wake up and I don't feel restriction. <gasps> Must be God's will. You know, sometimes God makes it so clear to us. How many of you would like to know the will of God in your life? Since he has a will and since he is God and since he's living inside of you, why not get to know him? In surveys, the number one question that Christians ask is, how can I know the will of God? Are you ready? Here we go. There are two categories of the will of God. Number one, there's the general will of God, and we know that through his word. But there is also the specific will of God, and many times we know this through his spirit. Let me show you how this works. How do I conduct myself in a marriage? How am I supposed to act as a husband? How are you supposed to act as a wife? What are our behaviors? How are we supposed to live? That's all answered in the Bible. Who do I marry is answered by the Holy Spirit. We need general will and we need specific will. So is this okay? And you can have a personal relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Finally, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Everybody say emotions. Did you know God has feelings? Galatians 5, 22 through 23, watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Everybody say joy. So we find right here the Holy Spirit has joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, these are all attributes of a person. We get our attributes from God, not the devil. A person loves. Look, a tree can't love. Contrary to what some organizations will tell you, they can't love you. Amen. But people can. Someone say amen. Oh, I know all the tree huggers I just made angry now. That's okay. The truth is only people can love. Amen. Ephesians 4.30. And do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed from the day of redemption. In these two verses I just showed you in Galatians and Ephesians, you see how the Holy Spirit can have joy and peace and wonderful things, but he can also be grieved. Why? He is a person. He's not a cloud and a cosmic thing out there somewhere. He is a person. He has feelings. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Are you ready? Sin. Why? Because the, the, because the Holy Spirit loves people and sin hurts people. The reason the Holy Spirit grieves when we sin is not that He's angry with us. Rather, it's that He's sad for us. Why? Why do we grieve? Well, we, when we think about grieving, we think, oh, we, I lost a loved one. 
right? Someone has passed away, a family member, a friend, I've lost them. But did you know you really didn't lose that person? If they were a Christian, you're a Christian, you didn't lose them, you'll see them again in heaven. But you grieve the loss of fellowship with that person. We're not grieving the loss of the relationship. We are grieving the loss of fellowship with that person. Everybody say fellowship. So the Holy Spirit grieves the loss of not the relationship, but he's grieving the loss of fellowship with us because sin takes us away from him. We need to be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, not a measure, not 10%, not 99%. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God 100% of the time. Somebody say amen. So if this represents two people, we have two glasses of water here. And I have two Alka-Seltzers here. This person right here represents a person who they like to come to church and they want fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell, but they have no intentions of giving their life to the Lord. So they say, well, okay, you know, I, I, I really want to, I want to accept Jesus, but I'm going to live my life the way I want. I'm going to continue living with my boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm going to continue getting drunk all the time. I'm going to continue gambling. I'm going to continue doing things my way. Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying about the spirit of life. I'll take him. And so they say, well, I'll take you, Holy Spirit. And we drop them in and we say, well, that didn't change my life too much. There's nothing going on. I mean, Pastor, you said if I got the Holy Spirit inside of me, it would change me. Yes, I did. But you have to unwrap the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, God? I'm willing to repent of whatever sin I've committed. I'm willing, Lord, to go where you said go. I'm willing, Lord, to do what you said do. I'm willing to totally surrender my life to you. And all of a sudden, things start happening in our life. All of a sudden, look at the joy bubbling up. All of a sudden, Pastor, why don't I have joy? Maybe you don't have the spirit of life moving freely in your life. Pastor, I, I'm, I, got, I wake up at 3 in the morning. I'm so anxious. I got ulcers. I, got, I have no peace. Maybe you need to let the spirit of life loose in your life. Let me ask you something this morning. Which person represents you? Where's the Holy Spirit in your life? Oh, this person over here, they got the fruit of the Spirit. They got love just pouring out of them. They got, look, it's, it's fizzing up. You can't see it from here. But there's bubbles coming out. And it's bubbling over onto other people. Have you ever been around somebody? Their love and their joy and their peace is contagious. You say, man, you're the happiest guy I've ever seen. You're so full of joy. Listen, which person do you want to be? The person that maintains all control of your life and says, well, I got a dab of the Holy Spirit. I got a little measure and that's good enough. Or do you want to be the person that says, I'm all in. I want all you got. I want all your fruit. I want all your gifts. I want you in every area of my life. I want to tell you something. When I put this Alka-Seltzer in here, it changed the entire glass of water. It didn't just change half of it. It didn't just alter a portion of it. It had an effect on the entire glass. In the same way, if you choose today to say, I'm all in, Holy Spirit. I want you fully in my life. Guess what? He will come in and he will alter every nook and cranny and every part of your being. Woo! Somebody shout amen. Wow. Whew. 
I sincerely hope this is the whole congregation. If you're in here today and you say, God, I want to be, according to Romans 12, I want to be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto you. How do I be a living sacrifice? Let the Holy Spirit come in full measure. If you're in here, you say, I want the Holy Spirit in full measure in my life. Every area. Not just the areas that are religious or spiritual, but every area. My marriage, my work, my finances. I want the Holy Spirit to come 